Ready? Okay. I'll give you that one. That's on point, my friend. That was pretty good. You were practicing. Nope. That's just intuition. Oh, no, no. No, windshield wiper. Am, windshield I, am wiper. I still down? I don't hear myself. You know, What? Am I still down? No, you're up. All right. I hear you. Okay. You hear Um, yeah. That's good. Okay. I'm going to bring it down. Welcome to the Awkward Hi-Fi Podcast. My name is Devin. And I'm Richie. And uh, today we have a special guest. You can say your name and I'll introduce you in a little. Hi, my name is Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for being on the show. Um, so, well, let me set up the episode first and then, and then I have something to say to you, Richard, and then and we'll continue on. So uh, basically, this is a, uh, this is, we have Michelle on as a guest. Uh, thank you for being here. Because one of the, the um, I, I guess thread is the word, one of the, the constants in this show especially on my side of things, and it's probably more than me than Richard, but uh, is, about, is about media and my distrust of media and, um, and, and corporate control over media and, uh, and all those things. And uh, you're here to speak about that today. Absolutely. Okay. And we're happy to have you. Richard, yes. I want to say something to you. Um, I can't tell you the amount of uh, emails and messages and everything I got. Because my Jesse Ventura impression? No. Ah. No, not <laughs> in at all. No. Uh, the amount of people that were very disappointed in us that we don't know what the fuck fennel seeds are. Be- I don't know what the fuck that is. Because apparently, the little rabbit turd sausages, those are fennel seeds. Are you serious? Yes. And it's a real seed that they purposely put on them shit. Well, now, I know fennel. Like, I, know, I don't know what that I shit know is. I know the spice fennel. I, I use it. I, I, oh, but, it's a spice. Yeah, it will, but it comes from the fennel seed, and the fennel seeds are what are in the little sausages. And as soon as soon as I put that episode up that night, it was like kind of ding ding, and then the next day it was like ding 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 ding, and it was just people being like fennel seeds, motherfucker. And what is a fennel? What would it grow to if you planted the seeds? <laughs> it's just the fennel fucking plant. It's like a sesame. I don't. Don't make me sound any stupider than I already do. <laughs> I'm curious. I've I've already. What makes I already sausage, put my brother. put it out there that I didn't know. Fucking um, Michael. Our friend Dave, uh, he he's texted me before the show, and he said that he's disappointed in you because you're an Italian and you don't know what a fennel seed is. No clue. And then he said he was disappointed in me because I I use the word like zeitgeist all the time, but I don't know what a fennel seed is. <laughs> and I feel I do feel bad about that. Also, by the way, how uh, are we supposed to know what a fennel is? Well, I well because we're thirty six like, year, year like old a, men and we've lived life and we should know but what. That's the, a big popular thing. Uh, I guess sausage seeds. Also, I want to say happy birthday to Jenny. Uh, she's a, a friend of the show. She listens to the show, and uh, happy so happy birthday, birthday. Jenny! And uh, okay, let's let's move on. Let's let's do what we're gonna do. This yeah. is a juice. Normally, Friday is like a loose episode, but we're gonna get a little serious today. Ooh. So yeah. So Michelle, tell us who you are and what you did and why you're here, and uh, let's go. All right. Well, <laughs> first, let me thank both uh, Devin and Richie for having me on. He's RTG on this. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Let me let me get <laughs> the proper nomenclature if we should bring in some big Lebowski lines. Uh, RTG. Now, see, so you use words like nomenclature. Do you know what a fennel seed is? That's one word. <laughs> that. <laughs> Uh, by default, I'm Italian. I do know what a fennel seed is. See, that's where you, you failed your Italian test. That's it, man. But he's Sicilian, so that's basically mm-hmm. just black. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, well, it, you're just Sicilian, too. Absolutely not. <laughs> if, do we need to go through the true romance skit? We can absolutely do that. We've done it many times. If either of you show. guys start calling each other an eggplant, I'm fucking uh, sh- I'm shutting it down. I'm cool. shutting the show I down. I go for some eggplant. <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> so basically, um, I am thrilled to be here. Uh, Thanks. It's an awesome experience to uh, get to you know sit here and uh, talk to both RTG and Devin about um, the topic of media and yes. journalism in not only America but globally and internationally. Um, so I was recently laid off uh, about a month ago. I used to work for a um, newspaper, uh, excuse me, news magazine. I'm sure everyone must know Newsweek. Right. Uh, Newsweek is uh, a part of a parent company called IBT Media, and uh, they have other news companies as well. And or, what does IBT stand for? Uh, IBT stands for International Business Times. Mm -hmm. So um, with uh, the International Business Times and Newsweek, there's other uh, news media outlets that are owned by the parent company, IBT, which bought them. So Newsweek basically was sold a bunch of times. So since from the 1970s up till 2013, it's been, you know, boxed and sold. Yeah. So it's to... always needed a sponsor. Exactly. Okay. So... Um, in essence, uh, yes, I was um, laid off about, uh, like I said, back in um, June th on June 30th, I was laid off with about roughly 60 p uh, people, including writers, reporters, editors, as well as business development and um, social media. So th the whole conglomerate of uh, our company was basically slaughtered in half by uh, layoffs. Wow. Uh, now, real quick, not, yeah. not to interrupt, what was your specific position? at Newsweek? So uh, when I first started there, um, I was actually working on the international business uh, uh, international business time side. So okay. I was I was an executive assistant to Peter Goodman, who was the global and editor chief of the International Business Times. And from there, I moved up to the position as a, a digital media analyst for IBT Media, which basically allowed me to work with News Week, as well as the other news organizations that's under IBT Media. Okay. So, so you were technically under IBT Media the whole time, but you worked closely with Newsweek for the most part. Exactly, right. yes. Um, so from th at that point, um, I uh, was working through there, and we had a very um, awful uh, experience in terms of layoffs. Um, back in uh, March, there was a first round of layoffs where they basically cut out um, and dissected a uh, majority of our uh, staff writers and reporters in the International Business Times section and a couple of Newsweek reporters as well. And I survived that round of layoffs, and that's when I was repurposed to uh, being a working in data analytics. Um, but going back to what Devin said, so I started off as a basically an admin executive assistant. So I had to work with a lot of different personalities and people. So I wasn't, you know, in this mode of, okay, I, I, I uh, you know, write my article on the 26, you know, 2016 elections, I'm writing about Trump, or I'm writing about, you know, uh, whatever beat my uh, positions on. I am my fortunately and unfortunately was a Jane of all trades in a sense. So, so you did write there. 
No, well, I did basically everything. I oh, had okay. to, you know, keep the newsroom functioning. So I, I had to get to know a lot of different personalities. And from that, there was always um, an irky uh, feel to the office. And um, before I started working there, there was an article published by uh, Mother Jones on who is behind Newsweek. And uh, that article looks into the owners of Newsweek and who purchased it. So, did right. you know the owners and the and your bosses and stuff? Did you work closely with them? Um, I didn't work closely with them, but yes, I did know them. By default, I had to work very closely with their constituents, and ah. um, I come to find out that the owners that purchased Newsweek along with the other news verticals were a part of a religious organization um, in some other countries would refer to it as a cult mm-hmm. um, of the evangelical style. Persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, there was a, a lot of controversy behind that, um, you know, due to the fact that, you know, the owners had their very um, religious views on a lot of, um, you know, hot topics, whether it be, um, you know, gay marriage, uh, being gay in general, if you could be fixed if being gay, that That's it's right. a sickness. Right. Um, right. I did read that. That came up in, in, uh, in some of those things. Which is interesting. Well, okay, so so basically, uh, what we're we're setting up here is the fact that so I uh, so IBT before the per- the uh, acquisition of Newsweek was kind of like a flailing media company, correct? Yes. Right. So so basically, what it was was um, the, and th- this is all out there. I mean, we're 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 just talking about this. We're in no way saying that any of this is, is like fact for the most part. Well, I mean, th- there's facts in here. Oh. But you know what you're saying is fact, and, and we know it to be fact. But but we're just giving the history of yeah, it. I yeah. guess we're not revealing anything for a first. Uh, it's all out on the internet if yeah. you want to read about it. But but uh, so so basically, IBT International Business Times um, was uh, owned. It was it, it was a subsidiary of a guy. And what is his name? Um, so basically, the two that uh, purchased um, and ran the internet. Uh, I, so, like Devin said, it, it's uh, you basically can look at it as this way: you've got the parent company, which is IBT Media, right? And then underneath IBT Media, you have the International Business Times, which is its own news organization. Right. You have Newsweek, and then you've got like Fashion Times, uh, Latin Times. They have all different types of different, you know, news outlets. Wasn't there? I I I, I believe I saw something like a Christian Christianity Christian today or something yeah, like that. There's exactly. like also religious pushed kind of uh, stuff in there as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So they had all of these like, as in the, in the new um, journalism industry, they refer to them as verticals. So when they were purchased, they were purchased by uh, the own, the owners or as they're known as uh, co-owners, uh, J- Jonathan Davis and Etienne Uzak. Which, by the way, is not. say how is the mustache? Now, it's there, a bit. <laughs> he's too busy on the return of the Dread Tour uh-huh. to buy an international media conglomerate. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I mean, their names even kind of sound like <laughs> devious, like, right. like Etienne. Um, interestingly <laughs> enough, their, their, their backstory is uh, they, they met each other in Europe. And um, it's a Sounds bit, sketchy right it's there. It's very sketchy. Yeah. And it, we're, we're actually not really clear exactly the connection of when they intercepted. But, um, Docking. Interestingly, <laughs> yes, exactly. When they it's, started docking. Docking. 
<laughs> so interestingly enough, they are the owners, and they um, they ran um, IBT Media. So from that above them, um, and which we have found through uh, amazing journalism uh, and investigative journalism, is like I said, a, a religious cult that is run by, uh, I believe, the owner or owner, <laughs> the leader yeah. um, of it is David Jang. Wow. So um, there is a quite a bureaucratic, tyrannical sub subculture that uh, is, sure. um, you know, heavily reigned on top of uh, these news organizations. Right now, we're going to get into a little bit on, uh, you know, how it affected the company, but. I just want to know, before you knew that all this, you know, cult stuff was going on, this sweatshop of sorts, did you sense a sketchiness in the air at your job where you just knew something was going down boiler room type? Oh, absolutely. Um, It began, I'd say, so when I first started, I was working, like I said, as an executive assistant. So I, like I told you, I was all over in terms of operations and certain things kind of, you know, popped up in my, you know, in my site. Like I noticed that, um, you know, the financial scenario was always a issue that Mm. finance finances were at some very dubious the way that they they ran the financial uh the way that they ran financial processes and even to give you an idea um the the corporate aspect or the corporate level was on the sixth floor and we were on the fifth floor so we would always joke about how this ooh, this nobody wants to go on the sixth floor (laughs) like it was like dante's inferno the warlord's like exactly like like i would go up there like you know anytime i would have to deal with finance all of my my reporter uh, colleagues would you know do one of these for me and be like you're going to the sixth <laughs> floor and I'd be like you know <laughs> I'm going up for prayer and processing yeah. you know it's uh, a part of some type of uh, you know there there was no there was definitely a, like you said a a, um, a stink a, in the air yes yeah. and um, specifically directly tied to the person who ran the financial the financial aspect of our of all of the company all of the companies was um, the CEO's wife Etienne's wife oh yeah she ran all of the finances so there's always a sneaky woman behind the book <laughs> Really okay, well, you don't have to get all sexist. Well, oh, you God. know, it's interesting. Like, you know, you would <laughs> think like you don't want to have you know uh, an emotively attached person to your finances. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's well, a really I think thing. I think what you're getting at it, 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 in a long a, a larger scale is the fact that uh, if you if you go back to this guy David Jang, yeah. if I'm pronouncing that correctly, yes, and any uh, if you look at all of his his uh, chief officers, the people that are running all of his companies, they all in some way go. Back to this community, I guess yes. this air shrimps community is uh, is what they call it, which is the, the religious part of it. Yes, right? the okay. religious cult. Okay. So interesting, like so the fact it's not to cut you off. So yeah. the fact that the guy, the, one of the people that that own and are running IBT, the fact that the financial chief financial officer would be his wife, and the fact that both of them belonged uh, allegedly belong to this to Absolutely. this religious subsect, right? Okay. Absolutely. 
So like going back to what Richie was saying, exactly Devin hit the nail on the head or RGG was saying. <laughs> you can, you I can will. call him Richie. I was just uh, joking around. <laughs> I call him Richie, Richard, Ratch. Ratch. He is R- Ratch. Yeah, he's Ratch. You can call him Ratch. Oh, oh, Ratchy. Yeah. Um, so yes, in a sense, there was definitely um, uh, a culture that was, um, it was unspoken of. I mean, it was spoken between the, uh, the best way I would describe it is that there was an us versus them mentality. Like you felt the, the reporters, and I speak on behalf of my fellow colleagues that, um, you know, it was definitely us versus them. It was, there was a divide. There was no symbiotic relationship. And, um, you know, there was examples I could give for most part um, working in the position uh, as an executive assistant. That's where I saw basically most of the carnage in terms of mistreatment and malpractice in the sense of journalism. And for example, um, one of, um, I remember just like as if it was yesterday, I had one reporter who was deployed. She covered Middle Eastern um, politics and she focused specifically on um you know, uh, what was going on in Iraq, what was going on in Syria, and she was being flown to um, Erbil, Iraq. And I had to make sure as her, you know, assistant, being an assistant to the... So she's a part of the International Business Times, right? So to ensure that she got to Iraq safely, she needed to have uh, roughly, say, about $6,000 in her bank account to pay for whether it was her security, because she was being sent to interview ISIS detainees. Like, she was going That's into... a lot of cheddar for uh, Iraq. Well, hold on. I, let me explain here for a second, right. because you would think it's a lot, but then you think, hold on, a flight to Iraq is very expensive. I'm sure. Secondly, um, you th- a part of journalism is that you have certain things that you got to take into consideration. When you're going into a war zone, you need security. Yeah. Especially, I mean, and, you know, whether you're male, female, it, it, yeah, regard- it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. Right. You know, you need security. You're going into, A, a war zone. S- thirdly, she was going into an ISIS detainee camp. She was interviewing, you know, people that were in these camps that were a part of or either out of ISIS. Yeah, freaky. And very, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about a very, like, unstable area. And with that also came uh, transportation and, of course, accommodation. You've got to be able to, like, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, bottom line is this woman is putting her life, life on, on the, the line, line for yeah. her organization. She should be financially covered, at least for whatever least whatever things can, uh, can occur. Absolutely. Is this Erin? Uh, yes, Erin Benko. Yes. And the reason I bring that up is because... Uh, real quick, uh, you, you turned us on to um, the hashtag, uh, hashtag IBTWTF, which uh, anybody at home listening, if you go onto Twitter and you look up that hashtag, you'll see all the different reporters, uh, journalists, a- anybody, editors, anybody that was affected by this, or even people that weren't affected by it but, but know the, the corruption and, and, and what happened. Um, the, this is this is a big thing. This isn't you know. This is something that that was out there. There was articles written about. It's it's well known. And Erin uh, Banco, who uh, I mean, she's official on Twitter. She's like she's a she's a big deal. Absolutely. She she's on here. You know, saying I'm looking at right here. You know, Erin uh, Banco on uh, July 28th said the world reporters at IBT that have been laid off still haven't uh, seen their last paychecks. All we wanted was resources to do justice to the stories that mattered. Uh, you know, she's on here. Uh, vehemently twi- tweeting about the situation. Uh, the only people that got me through this day were my fellow deskmates slash reporters. Love to you all. I mean, this is, this is something, if you go and look at this hashtag, you could tell that there is a, a ton of people that not only were affected by this, 
but are passionate about uh, passionate. Oh, about absolutely. It. I yeah. mean, the, uh, exactly what Devin said is you, the the uh, the whole entire uh, thread that is on Twitter is not only just a uh, acclamation, but a collection of the horror stories that were exposed and what we experienced as being employees for this company. No, that's. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, um, that's where I'm confused. Um, besides the whole financial thing where everyone was seriously getting screwed financially, you're chasing down your paychecks. Paychecks weren't even got. You obviously didn't get your severance. There's money issues. Uh, well, okay. Sending okay. their people overseas and stuff. Besides the money issues, I want to know like where he thought bringing this, making the cult a part of this company, what, what were the big effects? What do you mean? Like in terms of like the like company what? itself, besides financial what was the negative effect that this so-called cult had on the company? Well, I mean, so it was never actually, like, this was never discussed. So you have to understand, like, this was, you know, the, the owners never outwardly admitted to being yeah. tied to this. This, on you know, this down low. Exactly. As a matter of fact, in the article, in that Mother Jones article that w- we've referenced, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if we even brought it up, but there, there's, yeah. if you look it up, there's, a, there's a, an article that Mother Jones did about two years ago about this situation and this is before the, the the mass layoffs and everything and in that article it, it it goes through great lengths to even say that the the two uh i'm sorry it was jonathan davis and etienne Uzak. They, they they go out of their way to disassociate themselves from the the community again which is the the, the name for this religious sect yeah um and uh and, and, and although there's many things that tie them back to it, allegedly, the, the, it's not like they came forthright and said that, you know, we're part of this thing. Right. As a matter of fact, David Jang is kind of a silent owner of the whole situation. If it, even himself has kind of uh, denied the fact that he has any decision making process or anything. Yeah. But there's also been a lot of documents that came out that people have gotten that that sh- that prove that he's made even down to to uh, to editorial decisions and and uh, and. And font decisions and stuff like that, like it really has a uh-huh, hand yeah, in everything, right? Right. No, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, like you know, like absolutely. What Devin? I mean, Devin hit the nail on the head here, where you know, it's it, it was. It, it was intangible in the sense that, you know, if you were to ask me, Michelle, were, was I able to point out a specific time where I saw the influence of that, you know, sect or cult impacting the integrity of writing or integrity of my journalists? No, I would say no, because it wasn't it wasn't tangible. It, it was, was so it was, well hidden. It was it was a aste- I'm sorry. I hit the no, mic. <laughs> it's fine. It was uh, it was more so aesthetic. It was an aesthetic it was an aesthetic so it was for show. Is that what you're trying to say? It was an aesthetic <clears throat> presence because we all knew it existed, and the editors knew it existed, and the pressure. It was it was a tiered kind of pressure. So you had pressure coming from them. So the the the, the sect leaders. You then it goes down to you know the the head chief editors, which then trickles down to the section editors, to the reporters, and then to the. So you we all felt it, but there was no actual tangible. You know, hey, you know th- this is being. You you know, jeopardized because they believe this or be, this be, you know. And that's was, what's crazy about it because it's such a mishmash of problems for a company. Absolutely. Like you got, you know, big Dave J he's up at the top. <laughs> he's worried about whether or not he's going to make the rapture. 
And then you got Jonathan Davis one step down, yep. worrying if they're going to keep the lights on. Absolutely. Then you got the companies wondering if they're going to get their next fucking paycheck. paycheck. Exactly. Yeah. So it's such a fucking it, mess. It, it's it's absolutely it's something I used to always make the joke, and it's kind of sad. But I'd say you know any given minute, like Rod Sterling's going to pop out and say we're in the <laughs> fucking twilight <laughs> zone. Right. Like you have entered the twilight zone. But the interesting thing, going back to you know with Aaron and you know how Aaron was very vehement on on the Twitter thread, which I I you know I, I say to all the listeners here tonight definitely check out this thread because I mean in terms of uh, journalism and I think you know we'll dive into this the the deeper point of the meaning of what is the 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 state and health and integrity of journalism in the United States is that you know the the way that I think the cult had a impression on IBT was what they did to their employees so like I said so sending Erin to a war zone with you know so at this point she's she's on the airplane right so she's flying going to this ISIS detainee camp and ready to do these exclusive interviews that she worked really hard to you know cultivate and get and I get an email or I get a message from her going Michelle I have zero funds in my account as we speak I'm about to land in three hours in Iraq in Iraq (laughs) so I'm literally like a lunatic you know and again like you know I, I have to I have to pull in all types of you know people involved like I had to get my 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 bosses involved they had to you know literally like call up the CEOs Jonathan Davis and Etienne yeah. like someone's got to unlock some, a petty cash, cash drawer <laughs> exactly and thankfully I mean it took you know almost 26 hours but that 26 hours we got you know her money into the account but you know the forethought to send you know a reporter into a war zone without that yeah. is just absolutely baffling there's another um, there and I'm looking at our tweets as we're discussing this, and there's another tweet right here from uh, July 28th uh, that said, sent to Gaza to cover war with zero security, pressured to come back to work the day after I landed in JFK, even with no sleep. Wow. Yep. So that speaks to the, yeah. the severity of the situation. Yeah, that's, that's the slave labor of the whole thing. Because <laughs> oh. uh, that I was reading about that couple that he brought in from some Asian uh, country. Now... Besides, what was the name of that college that they were? Olivet. Olivet College. Okay. Sorry. Besides, you know, they, he's letting them stay at the college, get their education or whatever. But then he's paying them what? Less than minimum wage to work for him? Well, okay. Can I, before you talk, and uh, let me, you're, what you're asking here is you're referencing the Mother Jones article from 2014, uh, which, which, which kind of followed a couple uh, from Korea, I believe. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. A Korean couple. That uh, that fell in line with this community um, over there, and then what ha- what happens basically? If I could lay it out a little bit from what this what this says, and we're going off of this article for the most part. That's the this is the biggest, as far as I know, the biggest piece that's been about at least the religious side of this. And what it is is uh, they're in Korea, and and they start working for this 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 religion, this uh, David Jang's kind of thing that they have going on. And then sooner or later, they get the opportunity to, to, they're told that they get the opportunity to go to the United States and go to Olivet College. Um, and, and there they'll be, they'll be given, not only be able to, uh, to study, but they'll also be given work and be able to work. And then they show up. And basically what happens from their, from their account is that, uh, is that they show up and not only do, does like, the, the different uh, visas that they get, like uh, like in the article, they speak of the the husband was able to get a a, a, a one visa, or whatever it is, 
uh, the work visa, but the, the other person, the other, the girl was only able to get a wife visa, but then they put both of them to work, which is against the law, and they were making so little money that it was under the amount of, uh, you know, the, the minimum wage, mm-hmm. uh, but they didn't know that coming from Korea, and so it's basically, from what they're saying in this article, what they're alleging in this article is that they're, take, they're, they're recruiting people, bringing them over in, under the guise of getting an education, but basically putting them to work for zero dollars. Yeah. And this is all under the umbrella of this, this guys, which, which and, you know, IBT and the people that bought Newsweek. Okay, absolutely. so go on. No, absolutely. I just wanted to set it up. <clears throat> no, absolutely. Uh, Devin just laid out. It is, <clears throat> it is just laid out. type atmosphere. Absolutely. Devin and uh, RTG absolutely <laughs> just laid <laughs> out the... I'm going back to the RTG. <laughs> Um, no, like they laid out the landscape in the sense of so all of it is this entity. It is a college that um, is founded by uh, the leader of the sect slash cult um, that David Jang is um, fronting. And um, the interesting aspect of all of it and uh, <clears throat> also a part of the uh, Twitter thread that uh, we've been referencing, um, one of my former colleagues Owen Davis actually found, interestingly enough, um, tax documentation showing that IBT Media made, uh, I believe it was $1.3 million donation to um, charitable caught you know charitable I, I, I believe with when you do donations and you do tax write-offs um i i'm 100 percent sure it was going through a charitable religious donation i'm sure which again you have this you know murky connection to so exactly where was this money was it being you know funneled through all of it like what is the actual connection and what is the you know relevance of all of it the the actual college because what does it you know signify and when you look at the actual college itself i mean it's religious based right i mean it has a religious undertone to it um and uh you've got again like uh, the the absurdity that you know they donated 1.3 million to charitable and i use uh what did you call them air shrimps air That's shrimps what we call charitable them. causes and when so again in the position that i worked again but uh, not to interrupt oh, but no, but 1.3 million dollars to charitable causes air shrimps in the environment where they're they're scratching and clawing to be able to even pay their employees. That's exactly. What it's saying. not like they're 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 reaping in the money. They're making profits, and they're and they're. It, this is something where they're obviously uh, were were obligated to make these these uh, payments to something because the 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 business the entity itself wasn't profitable at the time. They're actually right. struggling they actually, to stay right. afloat. They were going bankrupt. Right. right. So I believe, uh, and I think uh, Mother Jones actually uh, emphasizes that uh, back in two thousand and seven or eight. I believe. Uh, I think that was around the um, time uh, they were actually struggling financially, and they needed the their the heads of their organization aka their their sect their cult so interestingly enough you know when you look at when you just take ibt media out you look at the other people who are a part of this cult these are prominent people these are people of power these are people who hold actual you know significant roles and have significant you know whether it's money, whether it's, again, political pull, media, uh, uh, journalistic pull. These are people of power that are in this organization. So uh, Mother Jones was able to 
cultivate and put together a uh, statement looking at, you know, all of it, this college that was, again, you know, led and funded by David Jang, that they were going bankrupt and, you know, they needed to be bailed out and they needed to be bailed out by their part participants yeah. the people a part of this organization right. mm-hmm. so the fact of the That's matter borderline ponzi scheme to me that one would argue that absolutely and the, but the but the thing that you know like De- like devin just brought up which you know really puts you know the you know, that makes your skin crawl is the <laughs> fact that the you have freelancers like i'll give you a beautiful example it, i it was christmas time right it was december it was right around the holidays i had a freelancer who wrote, you know, he had signed a contract, all legal document, you know, signed a contract to write, you know, X amount of articles for, say, you know, I'm going to make an arbitrary number up, uh, you know, $5,000. He wrote six articles for $5,000. And in the the contract, you know, once you publish an article, um, you you have, I guess, 45 days after publication. So once the article is published, 45 days net, you get paid. Right. This man going on three months without pay. He is saying he now this this man had children. It's Christmas time. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, now I, I was the person that had to deal with the freelancers and had to deal with, you know, the, the writers that weren't being paid saying that, like, how could you like, you know, I, I, yeah. in essence, like I'm reading these emails and I'm getting these phone calls going like, where is my money? Where is my money? And. You know, I actually had to go upstairs screaming on the top of my lungs saying, you know, you cannot do this. Like, you know, it's not your fault. (laughs) No, 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 no. But in essence, it's like, you know, you you donate this money, but, you know, you've got like and the thing is, let's be honest, like, you know, working in the world of freelancing and Mm -hmm. and, uh, being a reporter. Media and channel journalism. It's not not a it's not a lucrative position. Exactly. It's something that somebody does because of a passion and not and not and not in order to to make it monetarily can you uh if we're bringing up the again the monetary side of things can you speak to one of the big things and you'll see that on the uh, the hashtag the ibtwtf if you read through it which is really interesting and i recommend anybody listening to this who, who cares about this subject uh like i do and obviously michelle does and obviously rtg does um uh so with the layoffs uh, what they speak about a lot is not only were people laid off. I mean, in, in big corporate business, people get laid off all the time. Right. But it was the, the way that they went about it. But then also the lack of severance pay, oh, the absolutely. lack of uh, any sort of uh, of help otherwise or anything like that, right? Right. So the way that we got laid off. So the way that they did this. Um, so I can basically uh, attest to the narrative that um, the first round of layoffs happened in March. And what they did was is they laid off. It, it seemed to me that it was very strategic strategically and methodically planned out. They laid off in March um, a lot of our um, more senior uh, employees, people who had worked there for say two plus more years right Right, and they were probably making a little bit more, more money, money. Yes. yeah exactly so you know they there was a, a certain type of um you know if you will an algorithm that was put together that allowed them to pick and choose these people who were being laid off back in march interestingly enough come uh june 30th when i am um, i myself and then the other 50 to 60 somewhat people that were laid off we were all there i mean i was there just under 10 months a couple of other I'd say majority of people were there for just under a year. They we didn't get termination papers. 
We didn't get contracts to sign. Nothing that showed any type of documentation. On top of which, we didn't even get severance. We did not get any type of um, uh, extension on our health care. Our health care was terminated the day of that wow. we were laid off. We walked into work that Friday and they called us all in and basically told all of us we were fired. Oh, in one off. big group. In one big group. Wow. Yeah. And what was the what was the atmosphere in that room? The atmosphere was very interesting because at this point, you know, it wasn't so when they laid off the people back in March, they laid off reporters. So now this is a very interesting uh, point that actually I uh, we should uh, yeah, spend sure. a little time Go on ahead. is that they laid off a lot of reporters. Now let's like Devin and I was just saying is that you know reporters they don't make a lot of money. Like yeah. let's say average they make forty five thousand to fifty thousand dollars a year. Let's just hypothetically if, if that yeah. you know beginning. So they laid off back in March, I mean, majority reporters. So, okay, payroll, the amount of, mo- the amount of people that they laid off in payroll was probably close to $500,000. So that's all coming from these about 10 to 15 reporters. Mind you, the people in corporate, like, say, the chief marketing officer or the chief technology officer makes Five hundred thousand a year, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Which are all, uh, which all these people are allegedly, allegedly uh, uh, right. associated mm-hmm. with this this bigger entity, this bigger a- religious entity. A- right. Exactly. Okay. So, which you know begs to ask the question of, okay, how did you how did you decide and determine to lay these individuals off? So then, when it came to June, when they laid, you know, then that's when it was truly a slaughterhouse. I mean, it literally like it was like the fall of Saigon. I mean, it was like the kill. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the straight up killing fields. I mean, you know, uh, it was everybody. Everyone was up for grabs. I mean, they they laid uh, from the now the reporters that they laid off. They were you know just barely tenured of just under a year and got Sucks. nothing. But interesting. Did you tear down the Jang statue? <laughs> <laughs> you Put know, the at this point, around the at, fucking yeah. neck. Yeah. The news, you know, I mean, down. I had a couple of reports possibly thinking about pulling out the copper wire, <laughs> selling that shit. So, yeah, I think but, about that every day of my so, life. Though, that office is empty. There's no more. You know, there was a photo that was taken, and it's actually on the thread. It, it took it completely empty. It literally looks like the like after Pol Pot's killing fields. Wow, yeah. like nothing, nothing. Yeah. Right. So you know, there it, it is very devastating. And then you know, a, a lot of strong, brave reporters that uh, my co- my colleagues, you know, tried to barter and negotiate a severance deal with yeah. corporate. They said, "Listen, this is not right, and we're not protected by a union." Right. A lot of uh, media, and I think you know. Uh, Richie and Devin and I will dive into the bigger discussion about media in the United States uh, after this. But like you know, we weren't protected by a union, so right. there was no one protecting us in that sense. So they re- they told us you know basically to go fuck off. You're not yeah, getting right. anything. You know, now, adios. Are, is everybody getting together for some type of? Well, actually, it's not something I would even ask right now. So let's just scratch exactly. <laughs> 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 Track five will not but, be chainsaw uh, juggling. Yeah. Everybody jump in your time machine. We're going back. But what's, but I would like to say to add though. Um, so they they demolished uh, International Business Times. But what they did with Newsweek, which is interesting, is they they did try to preserve Newsweek. So what they in essence because well, that's the name, right? That and, is and, their and, golden and, goose. And from what from what I've I've discerned from reading about this, uh, knowing that you were coming on, is the fact that before IBT purchased uh, Newsweek, they were kind of considered a joke, for lack of a better word. They were hemorrhaging money. 
They weren't profitable. Uh, it was kind of common knowledge that they were the under, under the umbrella of this mm. David Jang, who was kind of just uh, Olivet College and this and all these other publications, and, and were looked at in the business world, at least uh, as something that wasn't going to survive. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they purchased one of the bigger media outlets in the country. Right. And then that shot them to the top of, of importance at that point. Absolutely. Right. And on top of that, just to tag on what you were just saying, is uh, they hired... So my... my uh, former boss who uh, was the global editor-in-chief of the International Business Times, Peter Goodman, he was the one who came in. He was kind of like the savior. So what you were just describing, which was the International Business Times, which w- was basically like they were doing articles on like, you know, how to impregnate like alien sperm into <laughs> like, you know, like like fish. I mean, like they were literally well, writing. But no like, white pants at the Labor Day. What they uh, what they what they in that Mother Jones article, which we've referenced a million times and I'll put on the website. If you're oh, interested absolutely. in this, you could go and look at it. But uh, the the allegations they make in that was that um, a couple, I believe it was British newspapers, mm-hmm. kind of even maybe I, I you know I, I don't know for sure, but maybe even tried to to some litigation of the fact that they were just taking their articles and reprocessing them mm-hmm. just for content. Oh, absolutely. So apparently, like at that point, there was some sh- shady shit going on there to begin with. Oh, absolutely. They right. were basically what that's called is um, aggregating, right? In the uh, journal in journalism, and that's a that's a common practice. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, if your whole business model is it, repurposing other people's, uh, and there's no journalistic uh, integrity or anything happening, right? right. Exactly. So, and then those people go on to buy Newsweek, which at, at one point had a foothold in journalism. Right. They had a demagogic following. Right, like, right. I mean, Newsweek is so you know, I mean, that's an American institution yeah, right so when it's interesting when they hired peter they hired him and what he did he his whole purpose and function was to legitimize international business times bring it actually like write articles on business and international affairs <laughs> and he did that he hired amazing writers he hired amazing editors and what they did in March and and what they did and now Peter obviously left but um, what they did what they chopped up his newsroom he hired all of these people amazing writers and editors and then when uh, Peter left because for you know he moved on because obviously I mean you could tell with this whole culture and everything yeah. that was going on what they did is they just you know dissected his newsroom and they slaughtered the editors and writers that he built up to legitimize this you know or you know uh, news organization so running a legitimate business was what too expensive for Jang so that one would argue that was very it was I mean they, you know that was a lot of money so in essence I don't know if you know how um, uh, the advertising works with uh, journalists because you know back in the day newspapers like when you would buy a newspaper people would put ads in the news right sure. so remember when you back back in the old days when yeah. you would buy a newspaper you would see ad advertisement yeah from Marlboro cigarettes you'd go you'd be able to buy your x-ray specs X-ray, right you would be able to have class all this stuff so um, nowadays it's far more complex in terms of advertising and making money in journalism because it's sure, all about clickbait it's all about who how many unique views you get how many you know how long the people are staying on the page Mm -hmm. because when you think about it like if you click on an article say for politico or for new york times if people are actually watching you on their end seeing how long you're staying on that page if you're seeing the ad because you know how annoying it is so what they can notice when i flip back to pornhub (laughs) 
But Pornhub's <laughs> doing the same thing, my friend. Uh, they okay. are. They're yeah. advertising exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, he watched that fucking um, three-on-one black fucking <laughs> uh, rape scene a thousand times. We should probably put some sort of weird Italian advertising <laughs> on there. There's just gonna be rainbow cookie fucking <laughs> advertising that shows up the next time you watch your weird I know, fucking. Weird. <laughs> Well, it's basically a very it's it's so obscure. This kind of like leads into the bigger discussion of, you know, technology and, and, uh, you know, this like tech silicon boom of how, you know, we're we're basically spending money. Like so in essence, like to make money in, in journalism is very hard right now because like like I was saying before, like, you know, money is like advertising is determined. And is we know why that is. Why? Because of computers. Well, <laughs> okay, li- that's the Luddite thing. Ruining everything. <laughs> that's that's Richard the Luddite. Yes, okay. but in essence, yeah. So that's one of the essence, uh, one of the reasons, you know, f- a financial turn. And you know, you're seeing this happen not only with my, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of what happened in my own experience, but you saw this happen. Um, I mean, New York Times bought out their top executives a couple of months ago. Right. Um, the Guardian laid off 250. Um, writers, I mean, uh, Gawker mm. is completely went bankrupt. Right. I mean, you're watching the downfall. I mean, in my of opinion, reading, of I mean, journalism yeah. is is uh, I use the term self cannibalizing. Well, I okay. mean, if it, if you, you say you know supply and demand, I don't think it's the problem is the journalists. I think it's people don't read. Well, people want to click on their on a on a website, read a you know a blurb or two, and not actually pick up the. I think the bigger okay. I think the bigger concern is in and what we're trying to get at in this is who controls the media. Absolutely yeah. right. So uh, whether what the consumption, there's always going to be people out there that are going to read. Obviously, more people are going to click on the fucking whatever nine what nine zero two one zero character are you fucking yeah. Buzzfeed bullshit. But there's Steve. but there's also <laughs> uh, you would only hope, my friend. <laughs> Because I'm trying to exchange an egg. I know, um, uh, but uh, but but there, there's always going to be people out there that are it, like myself that are interested in true journalism and 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 the truth and 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 I think that is the problem and 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 what we're trying to get at here today is that we have somebody here, Michelle, who has actually been in the system, who is who is uh, experienced, worked for a company that that as far as reports show. Is is owned by uh, by somebody who has a, only a religious agenda. Now, this person, in if you read this Mother Jones article, and there's other articles out there that you can see, you can Google it for yourself. But there's people that that uh, worked and and went to Olivet College, that worked for IBT and stuff and and things like that, who allege the fact that that he he they basically tell you they to us to refer to this person as the second coming of Christ. Yeah. And and it's been it's been written and shown that this guy considered his his vast media empire as uh it basically Noah's ark. He actually called it that. And 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 the 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 upcoming flood isn't so much a physical flood, it's more of the the, the flood of information in the world that are that is that is pushing people away from from uh, Christian values. So he sees his, uh, and again, this is all in the article. This, it, uh, but he sees his media, out, his media reach to the companies that he owns, which include IBT and Newsweek, as as uh, Noah, and he said this himself, a Noah's Ark, uh, it, in order to push the Christian agenda out into the world. Fucking weirdo. And, and or at the very least to fund 
his larger Christian agenda, right? And these are very, and you know, like this is a very terrifying phrase. And, uh, you know, moving even past just my, you know, this experience with Newsweek. And I, I can say this at least, you know, I, I was able to see, you know, um, and work with amazing writers and amazing editors and managing editors and reporters who were able to push fantastic investigative journalism. That's good. You're taking who were the able Positive out of this situation. Absolutely. That we're able to not allow any type of influential, you know, whether it was an entity, like I said, it was an aesthetic presence. Like I can never give you a tangible example of when there was an influential period of time where like it has to be all news about, you know, Christian this, Christian. Absolutely not. What was what I can absolutely say is that, you know, Newsweek did keep its integrity. However, it lost its integrity as well as IBT, as well as under IBT media June 30th when yeah. they dissected and completely demolished mm. their newsroom. And what, the, in essence, what they, when you demolish a newsroom like that, what it, they turn into is like, and I'm sure you're all well aware of this is have you ever, you know, seen an article on Facebook or, you know, seen an article or on Google or whatever, you click it and it turns into like a listicle. That's what they're called listicles. And it says, top 10 um, botched tit jobs. Wait till you'll see number nine. Yeah. Those are what news is turning into. Number seven will blow your mind. Wait, wait until you see fucking, I I could not believe number six. If if I see that phrase in something, I, I absolutely don't click on it. Absolutely. And the other and the other thing is that uh, you're you're speaking of um, uh, it's all about page clicks and how long you stay on the page is now you can't go and this is even with reputable uh, news outlets you can't click on an article and not have it be 17 pages that you have to click through and be subjected to all the advertising that pops up every time Absolutely. so you can't read a you can't read a page as one nope. story anymore nah, everything's on the and next that also page. and that also turns me off if I mm-hmm. if I want to read something I put on it and it's a next 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 kind of thing. For for the most part, I, I'll just say, fuck it. I'm not yeah, going to do it. Yeah, you know? That exactly. and now there's a whole we're in the era of video, which right. I'm sure you're all noticing very. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, which is a huge part of uh, articles right now in news magazine. I mean, whether uh, on the Internet, when you're seeing basically like you want to get to an article. But when once you click on the article and the creepy, it's it's actually very creepy when you think <laughs> about it. No, it really is because you'll scroll because you're like, OK, OK, you see you, you see the video on top and then, the, you know, the articles, you know, underneath it and you're scrolling down. Yeah, and then th- the video is following yeah, you. Yeah, it keeps popping back like, up, right? Are you kidding Force me? Force like, feeding you? Yeah, like, and then, like, you try to, like, you know, move yourself out of, like, the article and it still follows you to the right. And <laughs> it's like you're the just, Mona Lisa. This is like, it's like <laughs> Mona Lisa meets Big Brother and they had a child and they called it, you know, <laughs> journalism in the United States. Now, I wonder, honestly, I wonder, I wonder how much it, that helps or hurts because for myself, and I consider myself something that'll seek something out. If if I see a headline that intrigues me, I'm willing to read that article. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I read a lot. Uh, I I think I consume a lot of journalism. And uh, but for for myself, like I was saying, if I click on something and it gets that complicated, I'm at, no matter how interested I am in that topic. For the most part, I'm out. Yeah. You know. So I wonder how in in the need to generate uh, a money flow back into that, how many actual eyes are they turning off of the piece? 
Well, that's the whole thing. So that's the, that is the bread and butter to the substan the, the the sustainability of the financial the state of journalism is basically they need the the um, engagement time. They need people to stay. So when advertisers, so say if Cadillac, you make a, a, a deal with Cadillac and they're going to do their campaign on your web page or your website, they need you to stay on the page to, you know, see the advertisement or see the banner or see the, you know, see anything. And if readers, so, and the thing is our attention spans due to Facebook, Instagram, due to the hyper, hyperactivity of the millennial and, you know, millennial era is that our attention spans do not last that long. So if we, we spend 30 seconds, I mean, on average, you know, people spend maybe 20 seconds on an article. So you read the first, like maybe paragraph and a half and you're done, you know, and you don't get to the point of the actual ad and then you click off of it and then they don't make money. So at this, or in a sense, quick money. So that's what puts, a lot of media outlets and journalism in a tight spot because how are they going to make revenue sure. and keep people on their page? Right, exactly. Right. And then unfortunately, the, the things that actually do keep that are the money makers are all the articles on, you know, Kim Kardashian. Right. Yeah. On, you know, Tyga, you know, all of these articles that are like, you know, like I said, the top 10 botched, you know, tit jobs. Oh, my God. You know, the biggest blackhead you can pop. Look at number 18. It's like covering his complete nose. Like, it's it's absolutely. The one that gets me all the time is, did you know these celebrities are dead? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what celebrities (laughs) are dead. And then I click on it and I real I'm like, either I fucking just put a virus on my computer or, you know, and it's never anything. You know, it's there's never any substance to it. Yeah, yeah. But this, I guess you know kind of goes back to what Devin was saying and I think you know like what is the ultimate state of journalism right. in our time well like, before we before we get to that let's uh, so number one thank you for coming on and telling oh, your story absolutely. but is there anything that you wanted to address that you did not get to so let's talk about that first before um, we talk about the broader umbrella because yeah, yeah. we're, we're well, I mean we could go as long as we want but we're coming kind of to an end so oh. so so so, so you've basically told your story. You worked at you worked at this. You were laid off uh, uh, unjustly, as you and and a million people on Twitter, if you follow the IBT uh, WTF hashtag, believe no severance pay, no warning, uh, total disregard for for anything. They obviously didn't care. You brought up the That's fact. That's not very godlike. You <laughs> you brought up that. Well, if you fucking if you study uh, early Christianity and Catholicism. Oh, this is all Old Testament. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's pretty Testament. godlike. They're lucky they didn't just slit their throats and crucify them. But, um, uh, and you were saying uh, before the show that all of your positions showed up on a foreign uh, Indeed site. Oh, that was the worst part. So um, along uh, with all of the um, uh, verbiage that Devin has uh, just uh, told, <laughs> has <laughs> just spewed us, and which is absolutely, he has basically summed it up beautifully in a nutshell. Uh, lack of human decency, I think, was my one of my favorite right, quotes yeah, uh, in That's terms of... Uh, how the whole process went, it's but um, and also I believe that that is a that's a perfect term that you could use for almost every state of of corporate <laughs> yeah, true. corporate ownership of, yeah. in America at this time. Lack of human decency, complete dehumanization, and to to go that to, and the whole robe, <laughs> <laughs> and then to even go back to the uh, Devin's question, the 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 the. Uh, 
you know, absolute twisted. You know, it was almost like, again, it, it, like if you could, it was almost Shakespearean, I want to say in a sense, that they had the audacity. So after they laid us off, literally 24 hours later, in India, all of our jobs are being advertised in Bangalore, India wow. to be filled for their company because we have a bureau in Bangalore, India. So almost 80% of the jobs that they laid off in New York City, they advertised in India. Yeah. So they outsourced us not even 24 fucking hours no. after laying so us off. So it wasn't about their image. It, it yeah. wasn't about religion. It was pretty much fire you guys to save money, money. and outsource yeah, It's always jobs. a money thing. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that, you know, CNN... Um, I mean, CNN, uh, a bunch of uh, a bun- New York Post, a bunch of uh, media outlets contacted our organization and asked for a statement. Yeah. No statement. Yeah. Right. Which one has to ask the question is like, mm. you know, you do something so aud- you know, the aud- you know, the audacious to the fact that, you know, the worst type of people to piss off and fuck over are journalists. Yeah, because right. Because <laughs> as you can, you if, uh, again, if that and again, like listeners, if you want to read something that is juicy and, you know, not only depressing and sad in the sense that these people lost their jobs, but if you go onto this Twitter thread, it is absolutely vicious. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, and, and when this was going on, I mean, you have all of these media companies asking for a statement, nothing. Right. Which, well, because, and I believe it to be, uh, the same thing that our politicians uh, g- uh, believe in and, and anybody knows is that the, the American public is so is so uh, disseminated in the fact that they're just trying to survive their regular lives. Everybody, everybody's been brought down to a level where every moment of their life is just trying to survive that they can't even we can never congregate in order to, to uh, address a bigger situation. So there might be a lot of people out there, there might be people to listen to this episode that already know about it, to see that the, the Twitter hashtag, and they feel for you guys, and they understand uh, the, the, uh, the degradating state of media in America, but, and, and, and like myself, they're angered by it, and they want it to change, but at the same time, they can't put any effort into it because they're just trying to fucking be able to pay their mortgage and keep their <laughs> kids in school right. and, not, and not live in a fucking car because that's what America has come to. And, and so what happens there is that the people, the powers that be, the higher-ups, they know this for a fact, so they know that anything that they do, no matter how horrific it is, mm-hmm. is just w- within by. time is going to blow over. Yeah. Right. So why give a statement? Because who gives a shit? Right. Yeah. right? You know. Totally right. true. And and uh, and that alone, it, it to me is something that that is enough to make me. Uh, like I say this all the time, but fucking grab torches and run into the fucking streets. You know. Oh, absolutely. And and, uh, and well. Let me say this. Number one, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but but I, but I'm I'm uh, I'm happy that as an insider in something that I'm so interested in, and I talk about a lot on this podcast, that you're able to come in and give a little a clearer uh, uh, show of what's going on there. And and you know, we brought up, we touched on the religious uh, again, Airstream's cult of of what of the ownership, the umbrella of it. And all this information is there. I'll put it on the website. Everyone could look, could go and look at it for themselves. There's articles on it and everything like that. But but I think on a larger scale, this speaks to media in general. Yeah. So this is one specific thing that happened, and it's unfortunate. And the fact that this guy was able to build this empire and buy a, a, a highly touted 
uh, media outlet, you know, uh, but that just goes, that's just one story in the fact that we as Americans need to pretty much know for the, uh, that any sort of major media is controlled by somebody with an agenda. Right. Right? Absolutely. And as you as an insider, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah? I, I yeah. would absolutely agree with you. I think there is, you know, we're, we're at a point in um, our, I think we're at a point where we need to actually sit back and say, okay, what are we consuming in terms of, News. What are we consuming in terms of, you know, regardless of your political, you know, um, affiliations, regardless of your, you know, ideals in terms of like what you, you know, believe in faith, life, uh, you know, all of that. I mean, when it comes down to like the like bones of it, like what is actual news? What are we reading? What are we consuming? Like, you know, we've got a very intense election that's coming up right now. And we've got a lot of things that are going on in the United States and also, you know, of course, around the world. And I don't want to make everybody's worried about Hillary's Valium uh, intake. Injector. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you know, exactly. But like, the interesting Wait, thing. Wait, when you say injector, do you mean somebody that injects her with Valium? Yeah. Is she in oh, okay. Yeah. That? That's, right. that's interesting. We're going to put a pin in that. Yeah, I right. Go back to we're we're going to go back to that. Allegedly. 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 We're, we're, we are, we're probably already on the HRC fucking death <laughs> I list. I don't want you to start HR- I don't think shit. I'm allowed to fly anywhere. <laughs> but that's just because of you. Uh. That I mean, listen, I, I got banned from like a bunch of embassies, so I'm with you on that. <laughs> Working at that company, I don't think I'm ever allowed to fly to India or Brazil, but that's yeah. another story. Because they know you'll day. be broke. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to ask you something real quick go that ahead, we flew ahead. by. Um, I know you made it pretty clear before that uh, you know your your colleagues, the journalists, were pretty ballsy and they didn't let things affect them in any way. But I just wanted to know, being that this guy's number one steez was this cult, would that influence the work the the work of the journalists in any way like would he you know if somebody wrote something would he try to brainwash them into putting in some type of religious overtones into their work that's a very good question um so in my experience when i was there no so i can say that um my my colleagues the journalists that i worked with definitely did not um have an impact that was right. not impactful That's what I was on it thinking, because but. yeah exactly because ultimately their editors um you know allowed them that they gave them the um ability blanche <laughs> or you know the the ability to write their the their integrity was never jeopardized uh-huh. um however i you know can't speak before that i don't know you know like i said i don't know what was done beforehand but i'm sure that exact scenario could very well have happened and i think that definitely ties back into what devin was saying is that you know like you've got like you know my example is just one example of an american journalistic institution as newsweek and the international business times but like you know you look at what's going on you know with fox news with like you know rupert murdoch and like you look at like the ceo of fox news with the sexual harassment charges you look at what's going on in like all these other you know conglomerates that are you know these news entities and one has to ask is you know what are we being are we is this the green screen mentality right like what is like you know what 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 is going on and you know how do we as americans and people who want to be informed know that you know the news that we're being given is 
authentic and actually true uh. and not actually, you know, converted into some type of agenda that is processed through a cult or a sociopath. Right. And it get, and I think it gets to the point where like now now for the most part, well, I, I can't even say. I would think that that most educated people uh, understand the fact that like Fox is 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 uh, related to the GOP, and and there's other news outlets that right. are there that are they're looking to push the Democratic agenda. And and when you watch, I know for myself, if I was to watch, if is a big thing because I won't. But if I mm-hmm. was to watch any sort of Fox uh, newscast, I would look at it in it, it, under the guise of okay, they're trying to push this agenda, yeah. and there's other things like that. And so the bigger ones maybe have been tainted enough that they understand that. But but what I don't think people understand or or at least don't care about enough is that almost all any sort of corporate owned media entity, there is some agenda behind. Oh, absolutely. The, the actual the nonpartisism, the um, what's the actual word? I'm fucking losing it. Uh, of journalism, the, the you know, to impartial, impartial, the impartialism of journalism uh, for the most part. And, and I'm not putting this on the actual journalists, the actual reporters themselves, because I believe that they're out there really trying to make a difference and really trying to, to do a good job. But the farther it goes up the corporate ladder, the more it's influenced and uh, and so I think the general overtone of this episode, and while I was very happy to have you on, is that, uh, and I, I've said this before, is that if you're consuming any sort of, of media, any sort of article, any sort of uh, broadcast, any sort of web page or anything like that, the, the first thing that you need to do is look at it and, and, and say, okay, they're giving me this information. Why are they giving me this information? Absolutely. And 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 don't take it at face value ever. Even if it's the most trusted thing, even if you love it or whatever, just just think to yourself, why are they giving this information? And even just looking at it from that third person point of view, maybe hopefully will will allow people to kind of process it a little bit better and understand yeah, the undertones absolutely. from it. Right? No, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I, it's like, why would they put this news out? They have the power to give the news to everybody. And it's a pretty powerful position. I mean, you know, you're you're deciding what these people are going to ingest as far as their information. Well, you so have to be th- careful with that because, you know, it's interesting because like we were even saying before, like, you know, we got on the mics and stuff. Is that like who is actually determining what we are reading? Because, like, right. you know, saying. do we have, you know, the cold grip of Mark Zuckerberg determining what we're <laughs> I seeing? I think so. And the no, answer no, is yes. Yeah, yeah we do. Absolutely. Because yeah. like when you open up your Facebook and like you look at like, you know, the articles that are popping up or mm-hmm. trending yeah. or even on Twitter yeah. or on Kanye's even not Google. trending in my world. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I can assure you, Kanye is always trending. Yeah, in my right. world. <laughs> he finds a he way. Is. But, uh, other than Le- Lemmy, Lenny, Lemmy, my spirit animal. Lemmy, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. If you look at my Twitter, Lemmy's my spirit animal. Right. No. Um, he's but technically no. he's actually your spirit animal. He now, literally is. Yeah. I mean, if you check it out, he's there. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go, mine is the guitar player from Three Doors Down. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You know, it's funny not to go off topic. Can we go off topic really quickly? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Uh, when I was Rich and I were driving here, I was saying to Richie, you know, it's so funny. Like when I was trying to think of insults, like the worst insult you can say to somebody, I was like, you like when someone's being just like a whiny little cunt. I'm like, <laughs> you know what <laughs> you are? That's the C word no, on the program. No, 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 no. Oh, can I say cunt? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Say cunt, want. cunt, cunt. Yes. Just rolls <laughs> off cunty, my. Cunty, 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 cunty. It just you rolls off the tongue. Bore. You so, fucking. I like the hard T. 
But um, so I was saying to I was saying to Richie, I was like, you know, the worst insult I could give someone who's just being a whiny cunt is you're acting like a Nickelback song. <laughs> just fucking stop. Yeah, because it totally is. But again, and then I started singing a Nickelback song, and I was like, who sings that song? Uh, I, and then it's wait, like, you know a Nickelback song? Please yeah. sing it right Please, now. This is how you remind me. No, of that's what stained. I really am. No, that's stained. That's nickel. Not like you. Oh my god. So say so I have no idea. I would say that's three doors down. Story. No, I think that's stained. Not what mistaken. Gonna give it to a heart worth breaking. No. Nope. Nope. Oh. Okay. It's nickel. We got to get out of here soon. So, anyways, yes. So, 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 as I digress. So, is there any points that you wanted to make that that we haven't brought up? Because I want I want to give you came on here to to voice your opinion, and I want to give you the fair uh, uh, the open air forum. Yes, right. So, I would say um, points. I think we really, uh, you know, I I want to first thank Devin and Richie so much for allowing me to tell. Yes. For allowing me to uh, tell the story that, oh, of course. <laughs> you know, telling the story of, you know, um, IBT Media and what happened, you know, to myself and my fellow colleagues, because it's a story that needs to be heard. And I think ultimately, you know, um, as, uh, you know, regardless, again, this doesn't have to be political. This doesn't have to be anything of that nature. But I really do believe, you know, journalism and media have now, you know, they are symbiotic and, I honestly believe that, you know, for the sake of American democracy <laughs> and and I mean this from the bottom mm-hmm. of my heart you. that, you know, you re- journalism is absolutely imperative to to democracy because the journalists are the ones that are going out there. They're the ones that are fact checking. They're oh, the ones yeah. that are, you know, the ones that are informing the public, the populace are the ones that are telling us what the hell is going on. Yeah. Because like you said, we're concerned about our mortgages. We're concerned about our student debt. We're concerned about, you know, whatever, whatever whatever vibrator you want to buy on eBay. Like we've got things yeah. that we're worried I about. I go with the rabbit myself. Yeah, and, you know, and, and like journalists got, even did this but, before people could read. Right. You know, but the, they but, have but, a little but picture. But the interesting is, and, and you know, I propaganda. might get a little nerdy right now, but you know, Tocqueville said, you know, Alexis de Tocqueville is one of my favorite writers, but you know, he, the emphasis of, of journalism is one of the things that, you know, really truly makes America. So the American democracy so different from others. And I really think that, you know, you, when you look at, you know, what is going on in terms terms of like I said we brought up Gawker we brought up my scenario mm-hmm. and yeah um, you know New York Times and uh, The Guardian you know really understand that you know it is imperative to stay informed and know that you know uh, don't take things for face value use other sources I mean truly you know when you read what you're reading don't you know be demagogic know that you know what Fox is telling you is not you know what I mean like yeah. do not become a demagogue that's right. all I can say and that, you know, stay open to it and, and you know, respect that journalism is a huge part of our lives. Yeah, and, and fuck our the internet and use the library, people. <laughs> <laughs> books are there for a reason. Renew, renew that library card, Serious. motherfucker. Oh, mine is fresh. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think that's the general thing, you know. Journalism at one point was something, th- th- those, th- those were the people that were willing to put their, their lives, their livelihood Absolutely. on the line to uncover unjust uh, actions yeah. and things that are going on. Now, it, just like everything in the world, through, through the influx of money and, 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 the, and the need to, to acquire money, everything becomes corrupted. And, and there's very few outlets out there right, right now that you could actually turn to uh, and know that you're getting real raw 
unbiased journalism. Absolutely. And it's almost the same as music and everything else. You got to get the underground stuff. Yeah, you know, right. And, and, and right? DIY stuff. And, that, and so uh, as consumers of this, we need to, again, like I said, we need to really look at some uh, at things uh, with a with a third person perspective, a third eye perspective, mm-hmm. and and sit there and say, why are they telling me this? And and you know, it, it's it's kind of cliche, but I mean, we're closer to the Big Brother thing than than we than anybody believes that we really are. Oh, I absolutely. mean, everything's controlled. Everything everything is is uh, disseminated within the interest of the people that own those entities and. And I just think it, it generally, as a as a public, will be better if if we're if we're more free thinking. Uh, you know, does absolutely. that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Right. Very, and very I mean, if I statement. yeah, and if I can just chime in really quickly, it's just you know, like even <clears throat> you know the the <clears throat> movement of podcasts. Like yeah. this is something like you said, like you know the the DYI, like the concept of you know being able to have these open dialogues and these narratives mm-hmm. to you know actually examine what is being presented in front of us because we are being in it's it's an um absorbent amount of information to be intaking so when you're when you're looking at all the information that's going on and everything that's happening in the world and all of you know like all of the outlets that are happening it's good to find you know whether it's a podcast whether it's you know again like a, a a filter that helps you just you know go through you know news and helps you figure out you know what do you identify with and it's what do you... It's refreshing to have honesty. Honesty, that. Mm-hmm. And also, the biggest thing is that I can recommend, and my I'll end with this, is always try to say stay away from being emotively attached. R- yes. When you're driven by emotions with your when when you're consuming information, that really like diverts information. And same thing with music and yeah. same thing with mm-hmm. all but of that. The thing with, with that is that headlines are divisively uh, made that oh, way absolutely. specifically. They're, they're want you they yeah. want you to go into an article mm-hmm. feeling a certain way. Oh, absolutely. You need to know that you're being manipulated. Oh uh, Devin, you literally hit the nail on the head. Like right. that is Nail hitting today, Deb. Oh, like you know, he's really no, absolutely. It's called it's SEO. I mean, it's sen- it's sensationalism. Sensationalizing headlines is what brings you know all the, the boys to the yard. All the boys to the yard because <laughs> sure. you know. <laughs> I don't know why that just popped in my head. All <laughs> right, absolutely so true. Now I want a milkshake. All right, yeah, with that, yeah. All right. Any last words, Michelle? Number one, thank you for coming on. Oh, yes, thank you. It's, it's uh, you're welcome back anytime you'd like. Oh, uh, we could, you. I could talk media journalism, all this shit, all day. I could talk it. <laughs> I could talk it for the rest of my life. I so. Listen, uh, I am uh, so thrilled. I can't thank you guys again for yeah. letting me tell my story. And um, you feel like you got you got what you needed to say out I there. Did, so I real did. quick though, it, yeah. so Jeng's still out there doing his thing. Oh, he is like you know. Living la you vida see me loca. Rolling. <laughs> He's Gangnam style. Haters. <laughs> well, it it, it is it uh, it is if you read the article, which I'll put up on the website, uh, it, it, the information that it gives you. It, it, it's interesting the, the how most of these entities under that umbrella kind of uh, allegedly exist just to fund. I mean, they yeah. even go into mm-hmm. a point where where uh, I forget which one it was, which company it was, but the the people of that company were kind of reprimanded for the fact that uh, his car payment had lapsed, <laughs> and, and and it was and it, they were saying like, how could you let this happen? How could you let his car payment lapse? And you know, and so basically what they're saying because. You know, like most churches and everything, 
you know, there's there's what's called a tiff, which yeah. is a ten percent, and and right. and allegedly that's what's going on in these companies. Of course, you know, which might speak to that one point three million that was that was paid. Right. Yeah, which exactly. one would are yes? I'm, sh- I'm sure Jang drives an M6. There's no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, guys, it was a pleasure. Yes, it was. Thank you. Uh, I didn't hit the drop. Sorry. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening to the All Good Hi-Fi podcast. I hope that this opens some people's uh, eyes, ears, uh, other orifices. You can reach one person. Any orifice is yes. fine. Um, otherwise, you know the deal. Go on iTunes, leave a written review. Once we have 100, we're throwing a party. And we'll expose... Uh, let me turn this down a little bit. We'll expose all corporate and corrupt media at that party. I'm all about it. Uh, okay. Any last words, RTG? Michelle? All right. See you in a few short days. Wrapped in paper inside glass. My eyes were red when you were here. But now you're not in there clear, my dear. Hey, lover, where did you go? Thanks for listening to the Awkward High Five podcast. For more episodes, visit awkwardhighfive.com.